Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. They are who we thought they were indeed. Seemed to be the story of last Sunday, or last week, I should say, week one of the NFL season. Cowboys peed down their leg. Um, Jacksonville proved they can't win with the big boys again. And But, hey, the Oakland Raiders won. Uh, with, welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, doing great, Josh. But I do got to say, you know, there's been one issue lately that has somewhat transcended the game of football, and I think it's time we discussed it. So, Josh, I'm just going to straight up ask you, do you or do you not believe that Jim Harbaugh ate his booger on the sidelines of the Michigan game? I watched the tape, and I was putting it at like 85% chance yet. Um, I haven't seen the video, I so I'll have to watch it in, in slow motion. But uh, I am a Michigan State fan, so he can – he can eat all the boogers he wants because hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Michigan State will be feeding him some big old green ones here in a couple weeks or whenever it is they play. I don't know what the schedule looks like, but uh, I didn't know that was such a pressing issue on your heart, but uh, I guess so. Um, we have a great show for you today. Chuck Podeski, the odd man, will be stopping by a little bit later to talk about a favorite in Oakland. Uh, we'll do some ATS picks for uh, the week, so make sure you make sure you stick around, and listen to Chuck. Uh, a lot of the things we normally do, we'll talk a little waiver claim action. Um, Nick's going to grade my redraft team as we ran out of time during our mega pod last week. Some dynasty trade analysis. We've got a great dynasty dilemma as we pit uh, Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Um, I don't know, Nick. After Monday, I think some. I think I might get some votes for Elliott. Just because of the uh, current situation, not because of Gurley himself. We got a great four against IDP styles. We look at Ben Heaney inside linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. We'll do some sitter starts too, something that will obviously be integrated here as the uh, as we get closer to the uh, season. So let, make sure you stay tuned for all that. Should be a great show. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Just kind of uh, week one in general, Nick. Uh, who, who disappointed you? I mean, I know it was just one game. Any, any big surprises? Uh, well, as far as disappointment, personally, I was disappointed to see how the Redskins cho- chose to use their new $50 million toy, or however much they're playing, paying Josh Norman, not having him shadow the wide receiver one, Antonio Brown, but only using him on one side of the field. It's disappointing, not just from a skin fan perspective, but football fans in general kind of got somewhat cheated out of seeing the top wide receiver battle one of the top cornerbacks. Uh, I guess that is good news, though, for Des Bryant and Odell Beckham owners, though, and Rashad Freeland could end up being the number one uh, IDP cornerback while getting victimized this year. Uh, the biggest fantasy disappointment to me uh, was also on Monday night. Todd Gurley, 17 carries for 47 yards, less than three yards per carry, and one catch for negative five yards. Talent-wise, he's a top-five running back, but I'd be scared to play him right now, as inept as that St. Louis passing attack is. Defenses are just going to be 100% focused on shutting him down. And remember, San Francisco's defense isn't the Seattle defense. Uh, they were fourth worst in total yards per game allowed last year and tied for dead last in rushing touchdowns allowed. 
Uh, and to a lesser extent, I'd worried about Adrian Peterson in Minnesota, but I would guess that Sam Bradford's going to provide a feasible passing attack sooner than Jared Goff will in L.A., don't you think? Uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully they can get some things figured out there. Uh, I have a league where my top-tier running backs are AP and Dante Freeman, and I think they combined for about uh, 45 yards. Yeah, I think after week one, Todd Gurley is running back 47 and Adrian Peterson is running back 53. Um, Jasmine Olawehu, I know I'm saying that name terribly wrong, but uh, the fullback for the Raiders actually has more points than both of those players uh, almost combined. So, uh, yeah, not interesting week, especially for some of those top-tier running backs. Um, very impressed with Houston Texans, even though J.J. Watt didn't have his greatest game. And I know it was Chicago, who's not necessarily the toughest opponent, but uh, uh, they were able to come back in that game, showed some great poise, got Will Fuller involved. Obviously, Hopkins is going to get his, and so will uh, Lamar Miller. But uh, once J.J. Watt gets going, uh, wow, that team could be very impressive. Uh, for more on... J.J. Watt and uh, Todd Gurley. Make sure you check out our Q&A this weekend as I wrote, wrote the questions for that. I really want to see what Luke Gurley, I know who owns about seven shares of uh, Todd Gurley. I want to see what he has to say about the Todd Gurley question there, so make sure you check that out. Um, yeah, I think you really hit on all, hit on all the major ones. Um, Odell Beckham didn't have a big game. Um, Antonio Brown is basically still our lord and master wow i just wow and I, and i know it was the weird matchup thing but yeah i i don't know does it really make a difference i mean wouldn't wouldn't norman just got torched too nick i mean would would it made that much of a difference can anybody contain that guy well, the two times they did throw to Antonio Brown when Josh Norman was covering, they were over two. So, you know, I don't think he would have completely shut him down all game long, but I don't think Brown would have had as giant of a game as he did have. Okay, yeah, that's you know, there was one game in Seattle last year where they actually contained him. I wish I could remember the stats, but the one game. Um and yeah, that's really all that's happened throughout his career. It took him a couple of years to get acclimated, but he's never looked back since. So I don't own any Antonio Brown. And yes, that is sadness that you hear in my voice. Uh, who'd you claim on the waiver wire, Nick? Or who should we claim on the waiver wire, I should say? Well, I mean, I think if I needed a tight end, I would take a flyer on Jack Doyle from Indianapolis. He's not going to score two touchdowns every week, of course, but we have seen two touchdowns be somewhat productive in that offense before, uh, back when Kobe Fleener was there. And, you know, of course, in San Diego after the Keenan Allen injury, I think Tyrell Williams and, to a lesser extent, Dontrell Inman are worth looking at. And uh, Kenyon Barner actually had a good, albeit short day, four runs for 42 yards. I think he's worth the stash, and he's a must-have handcuff if you're an owner of the fragile Ryan Matthews going forward. Uh, yeah, interesting note on the Philly backs. Uh, Barner only had 13 snaps, but was productive in his touches, like Nick said. Uh, Darren Sproles actually played more snaps than Ryan Matthews, and maybe it's because they were winning and it was Cleveland. But uh, just uh, just something to keep an eye on. Sproles looked very good in, in pass protection, too. Uh, is it time to uh, activate Mr. Carson Wentz there from your taxi squad, Nick? What do you think? Um, I don't think quite yet, especially because I do have other solid quarterback options in all the leagues that I have Carson Wentz. So I'm going to sit on him right now in the taxi squad, but I don't blame you if you were to start him, if you were uh, uh, short at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, you know, damn that 16-team league because if, if I'm short in that league in quarterbacks, obviously. Uh, my quarterbacks are Kaepernick, don't don't ask. Um, I drafted Nick Foles, yeah, another don't ask. And then I have Trevor Simeon, which was, hey, you know, he, he looked really good. I was very happy to see that. Um, and then I have Matt Ryan. And I have Cody Kessler, so it, it just because I'm so starved in that league. I think every other league that I, I just have way too many quarterbacks, um, and it's, it's it's hard to trade them, especially even just one quarterback leagues. I'm carrying like four or five just because I know how how bad it can get. Same thing with that 16 team last year and tight ends. I went through so many tight ends on the waiver wire and never took Gary Barnett seriously, and now I, I wish I would have, but. Uh, uh, as far as waiver claims, I I think Eli Rogers is a big one. Obviously, if you're in a huge, huge, uh, reputable dynasty league with big rosters, he was probably gone anyway. Um, so uh, Jeremy Curley's out there. Uh, I do want to send a shout out to Joseph Zavaras. I think is how you say his last name. Uh, he's he's our new waiver wire guy, offensive wise. So make sure you check out that article that got posted yesterday. Um, Bruce Kimbrough got the IDP wa- wa- uh, waiver wire up, and we got our stock reports up today, too, from uh, Jeff Noblestead on the offensive side and Patrick Anderson on the IDP side. So make sure you check that out as we, we're hitting the ground hard with content. Obviously, we are in season now. we got some great daily articles coming out, too, with Luke Grilly doing the value, Ben. Uh, excuse me, Alan Saddle is going to update the, the rankings every week. Brian Sweet's got his daily his daily podcasts, or excuse me, his daily articles as well. And the Jamie Wells doing the lead on Monday morning. Sorry, I forgot. Maybe, sorry, I forgot about Jamie. His rise and shine, rise and grind. I think it is the Monday morning article from Jamie. So make sure you check out all that in season stuff that we were doing. And of course, the Q and A, as I always like to mention on Sunday. Uh, another thing that I'm a part of here, DFW. So, um, Eli Rogers, like I said, is a big one. That was one that we uh, Joseph wrote about in the waiver wire, so make sure you check that out. Um, Jalen Richard, um, yeah, it was one big play. And, yes, I'm an Oakland Raiders homer. Uh, and most of the leagues I've owned him anyway before that play. But like like we said in the, in the Q&A, or excuse me, in, in the waiver wire, Latavius Murray's contract's up at the end of the year. So if they get what they want out of Washington and Richard, uh, that that could be a nice a nice piece moving forward. And yeah, sure, it's a running back by committee. If it's just if it's down to those two, I do I do believe that. But both those guys provide such great PPR value. Could, is it possible next next year Oakland could have two Fred Jacksons? Um, moving forward, uh, dynasty dilemma time as we pit Todd Gurley versus Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Nick. We decided on this one a couple of weeks ago. I don't even – I think it's your turn to go first. So what do you got for us uh, on Todd Gurley? And how much has it changed? <laughs> well, I first I got to admit that I was so wrong last season when I thought Melvin Gordon was a better pick than Todd Gurley due to the injury concerns. Oops, uh, Gordon looked like a bust. Although, to be fair, he's looked a lot better this season and preseason. But Gurley was a stud last year. He only played in 13 games, but he went to the Pro Bowl, won Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's third in the league in rushing yards. Gurley has proven, without a doubt, he is a top five back in the NFL talent-wise. And unlike some running backs, Gurley isn't only productive because he gets a lot of volume. 
Uh, Todd Gurley averaged 4.8 yards per carry last year. And while his 21 receptions on 26 targets wasn't phenomenal, that is an extra point or two a week in PPR formats. And uh, with a high percentage of uh, catches of, on those targets, he proved he does have the ability at least to catch more if they choose to use him that way. Now, it does seem that the heavens are aligned for Ezekiel Elliott to be a star in Dallas. He's a top-five pick, running behind one of the top offensive lines in the NFL, Wait a minute, haven't we seen a player in that same scenario recently? Oh, yeah, in 2012, Trent Richardson was in the same position. You could have said the exact same thing about him. That's a great reminder that no matter how good the landing spot seems to be, it doesn't always translate to solid production. Even more troubling to me are the reports that the team is concerned that Zeke is partying too much. Now, I don't care that he visited a marijuana dispensary while in Seattle. I'm guessing that a lot of tourists do while they're there. And he didn't buy anything, so to me that's a non-issue. But there does seem to be some other red flags as well, dating back to his college days. Now, hopefully that lifestyle is behind him, if it was ever even a thing at all. But the culture around the Cowboys organization, all the guys that are suspended to start the year, combined with those rumors, would be enough, in my opinion, to tip the scales in Gurley's favor. And, you know, week one, throw that out the window. Gurley is going to be better, just as Zeke's probably going to be better than his performance in week one. And, you know, Jared Goff, he's the first overall pick on a quarterback. So that passing attack hopefully will improve as the season goes on. What do you think, Josh? <laughs> when was the last time you saw the first overall pick carrying a clipboard for week one? Yeah, that that was just so strange to me after, as I watched that awful Monday night game. Uh, but uh, more back to Zeke versus Gurley here. Um, as they proved on Monday in week one, the Rams are toilets, and Gurley is really their only weapon. Important thing to remember is that in this in this dilemma is that the question is, not who is better. I think Gurley is a better player, but I think their current situations, Elliot is running. Look at their current situations. Elliot's running behind one of the most feared offensive lines in the business. While Gurley is young, Gurley has, excuse me, Gurley has a young and porous and quite frankly not good offensive line, which is why Gurley and his surgically repaired knee scare me. Not to mention their quarterback situation. I mean, I've seen high school quarterbacks throw better better balls than Keith Keenum threw on Monday night. Sure, Zeke is a rookie, but he has an elite wide receiver in Des Bryant. I know he only caught one pass for eight yards, so spare me that. Uh, they they will use Des Bryant a lot more. He has So he has an elite wide receiver on his team, and teams must respect him no matter how many balls he's catching. And they will roll their defense over the top of him. Zeke might might be a better pass catcher than Gurley. We'll see. We'll see as their careers move on. See what's all said and done. And the Cowboys will use Zeke in such a role as their current backup running back, Alfred Morris, has averaged basically one reception per game during his pro career. So Zeke is obviously the best pass catching back right now on in that offense that's healthy in ways. Our our experts have Gurley ranked one and Zeke ranked two, respectively. And realistically, these two could be 1A and 1B for the next handful of years, much like LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Alexander were. Uh, but to really put this in perspective, I think we need to hearken back to, to the old Barry Sanders versus Emmett Smith argument. Do we believe, didn't we believe that Barry was a better player, but better player than Emmett, even though Emmett is our all-time leading rusher? 
And what did we always say back in the day, Nick? If Barry Sanders only had that offensive line. Now, imagine if the teams were switched. This would be Gurley by a landslide margin. Like I said before, Gurley is better. I honestly believe that. But Elliott just stepped stepped into a situation, and that's why I just stepped into a better situation, and that's why I watch Elliott. The what and where of this is is that a lot of people are overvaluing Elliott, and sometimes to the tune of pick 1.01. When all actuality, Gurley is going about 1.05, and Elliott is going 1.08 to 2.04 range. That That is value to me. And some people might prefer David Johnson uh, over Ezekiel over Elliott. I call those people Eagles, Giants, and Redskins fans. Elliott is in a better position to thrive and nobody is going to bet against him that's why i want elliot over Gurley. what do you got for me nick on rebuttal well i gotta say i love your point about uh going back to the barry sanders and emmett smith days uh absolutely agree with you 100 percent. and if this was a redraft uh dilemma i think i would probably side with ezekiel elliot but you uh you yourself said that Gurley's probably the more talented at the back and i think over the long term Talent usually wins out, so I, you know, in dynasty formats, I got to go with Gurley. You know, one thing, nothing against these guys, that I don't wish any will will ill on them. But one thing, when you do a dilemma with running back versus running back, is we know, and it's like this with every NFL player, but we know that short career of a running back, even if their career lasts, you know, eight to ten years. We know that there's that three- to four-year window of their ultra-effectiveness. So it's really hard to find that next Frank Gore, that next Adrian Peterson, guys that can still get twelve to 1,500 yards in their 30s. I mean, th- those guys just do not come along. I think two of these guys, these, both of these guys are probably those type of players, but you just never know. I mean, one bad hit, one one wrong cut, you know, one non-contact move, and we could that could really alter the courses of their careers. I mean, I, I like I said, I don't wish any will ill on it, but it's so hard to just think in the long term when you're looking at running backs. Don't you think, Nick? Yes, definitely more so than any other position. But, you know, it doesn't matter the position. You look at a guy like Keenan Allen, uh, you know, made a bad cut, and he's out for the year, and he's not a running back, so... You know, hopefully, uh, wishing nothing but the best and a speedy recovery to Mr. Allen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going into into player analysis, just looking for injuries, I think that's a that's a dangerous path to go down. As I proved last year, valuing Melvin Gordon over Todd Gurley. Um, but hey, week one, Melvin Gordon was a different story. Um, <laughs> even though, seriously, what did he have like five touches in the second half? Um, in San Diego, continued to blow a lead. Come on, I mean, if he if he's your pace sitter, if he's your RB one, if he's the guy you want back there for the long haul for your franchise, give him the rock. Let him run the clock out instead of blowing a twenty one point lead. I mean, Danny Wood had a great great fantasy game too, and I wish I would have played him. But uh, yeah, I just I don't get that. After he had a good first half, I don't get that. Uh, so this is just one perspective that I had. No, I actually. Thanks to the magic of YouTube, I watched the condensed version of the Thursday night game before we started here again, just to, just to be sure um, I was seeing things correctly. But 
What do you think about Kelvin Benjamin? Obviously, coming off a big injury, there was reports all over the place about they're going to limit his snaps. So what did they do? He goes out and gets 12 targets in week one. Do you think that's more of a reflection of the game plan, Nick, or is this going to be the norm? And I ask that because I have much respect for DBs there in Denver, especially the cornerbacks in Tlaib and Chris Harris. I think Chris Harris is probably, all things considered, the best corner in the league right now, as a matter of fact. But both these guys are 5'10". Kelvin Benjamin, I think he's 6'5". He's got like a 12-foot wingspan. I mean, of course you're going to throw your big receiver targets when you're against these short, really athletic guys because it's not always just jump balls, Nick. Anytime you throw them the ball, you know he has that reach advantage. So I'm thinking maybe that was part of their game plan, to feed these big, taller guys. And obviously it was Benjamin over Funches, but because of that because of that reach. And I don't know if we're going to see – obviously he's not going to get 12 targets every week, but I just don't think – we're going to see him be that number one wide receiver for this team. What do you think? I don't know. I kind of uh, wonder if it's going to go the opposite direction and he, that Kelvin Benjamin will be a number one. You look at him as a rookie, I bet he probably averaged somewhere close to around 10 targets a week as a rookie and, you know, missed all of last season, so that was a wash, and then comes back week one and does the same thing he was doing as a rookie. Uh, uh, could be an indictment somewhat on uh, Funchess' development. Maybe he's not coming along quite as quickly as we had all expected him to in year two. So I, I'm I'm pretty high on Kelvin Benjamin moving forward, actually. I, I And plus, if you look at a lot of the corners around the league are going to be six foot or under, so if that was the game plan against Denver short corners, that could be the game plan more often than not moving forward. Very good point there. There's there's not only there's more than two cornerbacks in the league that are five ten. That's for sure. Uh, we'll see. Just a, just an observation by me. We'll see how that uh, situation develops. Now I asked Nick to look at my redraft team. Now uh, this is a decade long for this league. It is like I said a redraft. We keep one player from year to year, and you lose the round that you that you drafted that player in the year before. Um, this year we are actually down. To, to from 12 to 10 teams. So immediately after the draft, I'm looking at my team thinking, oh, man, this is awesome. But then you go through and look at everybody else's team, and everybody else is probably about thinking the same thing because it, when you lose, you know, two more two teams, you throw an extra 32 players in the pool. That makes quite the, uh, quite the difference when you go down from 12 to 10. And I'm sure Nick, Nick discovered that as he was looking at a draft. So what do you got for me as you look at my redraft team there, Nick? Well, first, I agree with everything you just said. You know, it's been years since I've been in a 10-team redraft league and what what loaded rosters all around the league. But I do really, really like your squad. Uh, you went with the zero quarterback strategy in the draft, but you got two guys who could end up uh, being top 10 guys or even higher, I mean, Philip Rivers and Andy Dalton. And you paired Rivers with Danny Woodhead and Travis Benjamin. I like those combos, especially now with Keenan Allen out. You know, also at running back, you got David Johnson, Charles Sims, Frank Gore, and DeAndre Washington, the very solid stable of runners. Uh, and I'm assuming PPR league, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, your wide receivers are also good. Uh, and Allen Robinson, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, T.Y. Hilton, and Tyler Boyd. Uh, at tight end, Travis Kelsey should have a solid season. And you've been a longtime fan of your tight end, too, Eric Ebron, who could have a breakout year this year. Uh, the one guy I'm not a fan of on your roster is your kicker, Chris Boswell, from Pittsburgh. Simply because as good as that offense is, he may be kicking a lot more extra points than field goals. 
you know, I looked over the whole league's rosters, and on paper, I'd give you a better chance at a championship than anyone else, although I do think Cheeseburger Eddie and Cardboard Heroes could give you a run for your money. But I'm going to give you an A. But as always, good luck staying healthy. That is pretty much the key for any fantasy team, right? Uh, absolutely. And I will tell you that Cheeseburger Eddie absolutely demolished my team in week one. Uh, not a good <laughs> week one for this expert. Um, I think I was one in nine in my leagues. Uh, so, uh, But the one league I did le- I did win was the league that actually cost the most money so hey uh i guess i guess i'll take that um and that's our staff draft here and i and i beat one of the owners on site um i beat alan federally i was pretty pretty happy about that alan somebody that i i respect his knowledge and he has such a great a great mind for the game the way he comes at it analytically and uh it's always a pleasure to be, to beat to beat somebody like that no no offense alan i'm sure you'll demolish me next time we play but it was it was nice to to get one win um to keep my reputation going i guess um yeah i i just i really don't care about kickers either i tried to vote kickers out of this league a few years back and um Everybody voted to keep them. Not not everybody, but the the majority voted to keep them. I'm just like, they're like, come on, it's part of the game. And I'm just like, whatever. I you know I, I I took him in the round 17. I just took a kicker. I just took yeah. I just like ah whatever. The best player on the team. Uh, it's not like I'm gonna drop somebody else and pick up a second kicker so I can keep Boswell on my team. And and I t- totally hear what you're saying about uh, about Pittsburgh. But I do I do think. When it comes to teams like Pittsburgh, it's good to have a good a good player, but I I still think they're going to have some struggles here and there, especially defensively. Some teams might be able to move the ball in a variety of ways against them. So I think they'll I think they'll kick some field goals. I'll get you a bit of Bosworth probably attempts three field goals this weekend versus the Bengals. Excuse me. So yeah, I bet you Boswell gets about three three attempts this week versus the Bengals in that. Uh, Oh, that bloodbath! That's uh, that's going to be an interesting game. We'll see uh, see how many uh, security guards are at the fifty yard line during uh, pregame warmups. At least perfect, not in the lineup, right? Uh, uh, yeah. It, interestingly enough, the Yahoo grade. There was one person that was not able to make the draft, and they gave him the best grade of all. So that was that was kind of funny. Uh, but then he lost Keenan Allen, so I guess karma bit him in the butt. But um, no offense, I know you're keeping Allen on it. But let's take a look at a couple of dynasty trades. Um, I should say all of these trades happened prior to uh, any week one games. Well, maybe maybe a couple of – maybe the second one. Maybe, excuse me, the last one happened after Thursday. But it's, uh, so that, I guess there is a couple of players involved in that one. But let's uh, – what do you think about Christian Michael? And, again, this maybe changed perspective after watching what – what happened on Sunday, but Christian Michael for Muhammad Sanu and two, two 2017 fours. This is from DFW 48. What do you think? Uh, I think even before this, uh, this weekend's action, I would have gone sided with the team that picked up Sanu and the two fourth round picks. Christine Michael just, he's always teased, but he's never really delivered. Uh, even though he did look good in week one, but you know, what? I also got to mention that, uh, you know, Josh, we used to have such a spacious ride aboard, aboard the Muhammad Sanu bandwagon. It was like we were the only passengers, but I don't think we're going to have as much elbow room <laughs> now after this five catch for 80 yards and a touchdown at Atlanta debut, provided his ankle injury is serious, of course. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, the 2017 force in this, 
just after drafting one year in DFW 48, I can tell you those picks really don't matter. I mean, it, it seems like this, there, that should be uh, – those are the last well, last round picks in this rookie draft, and we can draft veterans too, but I don't know. Those picks, I don't think anybody that I took in the fourth made my roster. It, it, it's hard because it's a little bit of a shallow league. There isn't a taxi squad, so you can't you can't let rookies sit around. You got you got to have a moving parts all all over your roster. So those 2017 fourths, how they get thrown around, and I I, I think I traded D'Angelo Williams for like three or four of them. Uh, I certainly should have done that, but uh, I thought I could I thought I could build with some of the veterans, and that certainly wasn't the uh, wasn't the case. You know, I had to, I ended up drafting guys like Daniel Braverman who is currently on the practice squad for the Bears. So that's 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 how those fourth round picks go in that league. Uh we think about Amir Abdullah and DeAndre Hopkins for Des Bryant and Devontae Parker. Well I do want to make one quick point on the fourth round picks. I took Destaje Sharp in the fourth round in DFW forty eight. So they're not always worthless. But getting back to Abdul and Hopkins for Des Bryant and Devontae Parker, uh, I think Hopkins is probably the best player in this trade. So I'm going to go ahead and side with that team. Plus, Abdul, you know, he's got some potential there, and we've seen absolutely nothing, basically, from Devontae Parker yet. So I, I'm going to have to go with the side to pick up the best player and a, a pretty decent running back as well. How many fourth-round picks do you want for Tajay Sharp is the real question. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, Amir, Dula, and DeAndre. Yeah, that, that's a pretty nice ad. You know, Parker's hurt right now, so I, I, obviously we haven't seen anything from him. But let's not let's not hold it against him. I think I think he can still he can still break out. So, uh, you know, other, another thing I meant to mention with that first round pick is, uh, you know, Dan Dan Burgundy Hines here on staff is is kind of the guy that brought me and Nick here in the fold and we obviously thank him very much for that. But he always hammers home, don't pay for running backs unless you know your team is going deep in the playoffs. And you can't I don't think and I and that statement always rings true to me. You can't just go around, you know, trading picks and, and your wide receivers you can't trade wide wide receivers for running backs. That's just not that's just not how it goes unless you think you're on the on the uh, the precipice of, of really doing something special that year, you need running backs the year when you're going to contend, and you can maybe you know go with that zero running back here or, or every how on work it. Uh, it's great to have a couple guys that you can start, obviously, and you're not going to ever pass up a chance to get a marquee player, but don't trade wide receivers for running backs unless you're getting a stud running back in return. That's, I guess that's how I would put that. Um, and th- that's kind of why I, I think this, this trade is fairly even with Dez and Devontae. Uh, Dez is obviously a little bit younger. Devontae Parker, I don't know if he's ever going to develop into a solid wide receiver one, but I think he could be a very, a very nice player, a, good, a guy that's going to enter the, you know, the top, top 30, top 20 possible conversation every single week. So that you know, it puts him in wide receiver, wide receiver two, I think as a, as a ceiling for his career. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to mention too, Nick, as you kind of mentioned it with my redraft is yes, I did wait on quarterback. There was a couple, couple times where I thought about it and the quarterbacks I wanted, wanted left or were taken ahead of me. So, but what happens when you wait on quarterback? And this is, this is for me. I always do this. I wait on quarterback. It's when I try that theory in a draft and then I get one 
and then immediately, like, after that or a couple rounds after that, I take another. And then I sit there screwing myself every single week because I had to decide between <laughs> Andy Dalton or Philip Rivers. I mean, remember that that was that year when I had, like, Rivers and Luck, when Luck was, like, a second-year player or something like that. Every week I was vexed with that decision. And, of course, you know, I played Rivers this week, and Dalton scored more points. And, uh, you know, uh, that's one one situation I always back myself into. And, and I, 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 I hate to – not, I mean, you not, you can't have. It's it's nice to have two quality quarterbacks. You know, there's some times where if I get a good quarterback right away, I don't even get a backup. I just wait till the bye week to to fill that in. That way, I know I'm not going to be stuck in that situation. There was another year where, like, I had three quarterbacks just because I picked up one off the waiver wire, thinking I could trade him, and nobody wanted him. And then I was forced with that decision every week. Oh yeah, so just be careful how you how you back yourself into the corner there. Uh, where, where, whatever strategy you want to do, you know, just, uh, and it's, I think it's okay. It depending on your league size and you know how, how the, how that, how that works out waiver wire wise. But if you want to just go with one quarterback, I'm not going to blame you. That way you're not vexed by that decision every week. But, uh, moving forward, some more dynasty trade analysis here. Michael Floyd, Jamison Crowder, and Virgil Green for Jordan Matthews, Devontae Adams, Willie Ty, and a 2017 second. What do you think? Uh, to me, the uh, deciding factor is the second-round pick because uh, you look at the players uh, straight across. I think Jordan Matthews is probably uh, more valuable than Michael Floyd right now. Uh, Jameson Crowder is a safer play, but Devontae Adams has more upside, I think. And Virgil Green will tie uh, probably a slight edge to Green, I would say. But that second-round pick is the kicker for me. So uh, Jordan Matthews, Devontae Adams will tie in the second-round pick when he's straight, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that is the uh... – that is the kicker in this because that's you know a, a possible talent talent grab there in the second round, um, and Will Will Ty is technically listed as the backup to Larry Donnell, and it does seem like um, I don't know if it was Roto World or Roto Wire that Larry Donnell is going to get to the uh, get the red zone target. So that's certainly something to consider, which. Chains me to say as a as a huge fan of Mr. Will Ty, uh, but uh, so that's that might make him a little less attractive than uh, to Virgil Green in, in my in my eyes right now. But we'll see how the situation plays out, and we'll see if Larry Donnell can stay healthy for the whole season. So I do hear what you say, and I think with Parker Bar- Parker, excuse me, Crowder definitely has you know a safer play, but Adams certainly looked good. Hopefully he's ironed some things out. We know he's got a good quarterback and a couple of other good wide receivers to run with in that offense there. So um, let's take a look at Ben Heaney, Nick, as we uh, do a for or against segment here. This is something we've been playing around with. Um, basically, we all we both pick a side, and we come with five talking points. So I have the against side. So I guess you're gonna get you're gonna go first. Before. Well, Ben Heaney is surrounded by attention-grabbing playmakers like Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin, Reggie Nelson. So teams are going to focus their blocking elsewhere, and that's going to free up Ben Heaney, I think, to make uh, more tackles than he would on a less talented defense. 
Um, I think he might be too tall to have sustained success in the NFL. At just six feet, 225 pounds, 225 pounds. That does not scream NFL middle linebacker to me. Well, Curtis Lofton last year was brought in with pretty high expectations, but it wasn't long before Heaney, who was then a rookie, fifth-round pick, took Lofton's job, uh, rendering Lofton expendable. Uh, and, you know, it's it's showing that uh, enough to me that the Raiders did not pursue another starting caliber inside linebacker in the offseason. They trusted Ben Heaney moving forward. So I like that about him. Uh, since getting the green dot this offseason, um, that means he's going to be the captain calling plays a lot of the time. I think uh, there might just be a little extra pressure on Heaney, and that might distract him uh, from uh, getting that job done there. If he's trusted enough by the coaches to be the defense's play caller, you know, if the coaches have that much faith in him and they have a lot more on the line than we do as fantasy owners, why shouldn't we trust him as well? Very solid point. Um, and, and I do apologize Uh, for this next point because it's kind of long. Heaney was in limited time, 27% 27 snap share last year, had a tackle percentage of 7%, meaning on 7% of his snaps he was making the tackle. To put that in perspective, most situational pass rushers or cornerbacks or defensive tackles record about a 5 or 6%. Fellow Rookie last year, Denzel Perryman, on 39% of the snaps, recorded a tackle percentage of 13, and again, Heaney's was 7. Manti Teo recorded 11% on 71% snaps last year, and Donald Butler recorded 6% on 52%. We all know how I feel about Donald Butler. Coincidentally, Jadavian Clowney also recorded 7% on 54% of the snaps. Heaney should improve, but there is a lot of ground to make up, especially for a middle linebacker, a guy that gets that you want to have that hundred plus tackle volume every year. But that's Sorry definitely a, a great one. point. No, no worries. A great, great point, definitely. Uh, now Ben Heaney's only twenty-three, but he's mature for his age, especially after a really tough offseason this kid had. He was in a bad car wreck that totaled the car, although he was physically fine. And he also had to cope with the suicide of his best friend from college. You know, the fact that he still had the focus to keep his starting job after life events like that show me that he's unlikely to be overwhelmed with anything the NFL can throw at him. Uh, very solid point. And I do want to give props to uh, the guys that. Are, are at Fantasy Data who provided me with such great uh, great stats there. Um, that's that's where I get all the information from. And that tackle percentage is one of my favorite things because, it, like I said, it's the percentage of tackle times they are making the tackle before the snaps that they're on the field. And I think that is, that is a very telling stat. It's actually making me finally maybe respect Jarrell Friedman just a little bit. Um, with the nickel being the 60% norm, Nick, who who comes off of the field? Bruce Irvin, Malcolm Smith, or Heaney? I think when you look at Ken Norton, um, who who has played linebacker himself and was a linebacker coach, I think he I think Heaney might be the the uh, liability there in pass coverage in the nickel, which like again is used 60% of the time in the NFL as a whole. 
Well, for my last point, I'm going to defer to Oakland's defensive coordinator, Ken Norton, who said about Benahini, he's fast, he's smart, and he's relentless. He has a nose for the ball, very instinctive. He's always getting better. You can't get him out of the film. That, to me, sounds like somebody that I want on my team. Look at you digging into Raiders news. I love it, Nick. Uh, As... With the hot shot rookie Carl Joseph, I know he didn't play any snaps last week. He just played some special teams. With the hot spot, no, I guess he didn't play at all. Never mind. With hot shot rookie Carl Joseph, becomes what he becomes more comfortable in the scheme. I think he could potentially move into that hybrid role or possibly the coverage backer roles, meaning he's, again, another reason for Ben Heaney to come off the field. And that, obviously that will be less snaps for Heaney. I you know, we've talked about that here and there with guys like Dan Buchanan, Mark Barron, Stuart Cravens, uh, maybe Miles Jack develops into that. I think Joseph, where he's a little bit smaller, I think he could develop into that player, especially with guys like uh, veteran Nate Allen in the secondary and a guy like uh, uh, Keith McGill, who was a surprise starter there in the, in, at safety there for the Raiders this week. So, uh, may, maybe we see Joseph down in the box, kind of in that hybrid role more, and that 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 could be means that he another reason for he need to come off of the field. So, uh, solid solid point there. And I do thanks to our folks at uh, again fantasydata.com. Make sure you check that out for a small fee every month. You uh, get just unbelievable stats that are going to help you demolish your friends uh, in fantasy every week. So. Uh, and coincidentally, Heaney played 100% of the snaps last week versus uh, the New Orleans Saints. So, so there you go. Also, also, so did Malcolm Smith. So, if in case you, in case you were wondering on that, and again, brought to you by our folks over there at FantasyData.com. Make sure you give them a try. Um, it is time for a little sit or start, Nick. Um, I just wanted to throw one out at you that you're not prepared for. I just so many asked me this on Twitter this morning. Uh, half point PPR, Carlos Hyde. They are at Carolina, I believe, or Ryan Matthews at Chicago on Monday night under the lights. What do you think? I think it's pretty even So as far as player-wise, so I'm going to have to go with the matchup. Uh, that Carolina defense would scare me a lot more than the Chicago uh, front seven, so I think I would have to go with Ryan Matthews, especially since he seemed to at least dominate carries, if not snaps, in that Philadelphia backfield. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, I, I look for Philly to maybe challenge challenge those Chicago Chicago uh, linebackers and safeties with with a lot of uh, screen action and little little running backs rolling out. I um, can't, can't remember the term I want to say right now. Like, is it the angle? No. What what is a running back? What is a, one of the routes that a running back route runs? Nick, help me out here. Uh, the screens, the flats. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about the zigzag route where they kind of go out and then back in? I know yeah, that I like that Matt, angle. I can't, I can't think of the, the angle. Is it a, is it a, yeah, it's like an angle or a soaker out. Yeah, we're obviously not uh, – I'm not football coaches. <laughs> so, yes, I would go Matthews, too, long story short. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at Buffalo or Tyrod Taylor versus, versus the Jets. What do you think? 
Well, Buffalo did hold Baltimore to 13 points last week, but Joe Flacco still went for over 250 yards. So I'm going to go with Fitzpatrick. He's got more talent around him on a more pass-happy offense. Even on the road, I'm still going to go with uh, Mr. Harvard. Yeah, you know, at a certain point, you wonder, we'll see maybe Tyrod runs the ball a little bit more, and maybe that could even things out there for uh, for Fitzpatrick. And maybe this isn't the best start, but it's always fun to look at a couple guys in that Thursday night game. And why not do the two quarterbacks, right? Um, but uh, I do hear what you're saying. I don't know what the Bills are doing. Sammy Watkins obviously played week one in terrible pain because of the, the pins or whatever, the screws in his foot. And they said they were going to shut him down, but now they're not going to shut him down. So you're, you're just going to take your franchise wide receiver and make him play in pain all year. That just seems like a bad situation. And I see – I don't really see a situation that's going to unfold where he plays in every every single week. So uh, obviously he'll be limited. Maybe he's just going to be a decoy for one year. That just seems really odd to me. But, uh, yeah, things are not looking up for the Buffalo Bills at this at this present time, and they're going to rely heavily on the run game. Maybe that means Tyrod gets a little bit more uh, more love in the in the in the running game. But uh, I I got to go with Nick's side there too. Just just better receivers. We saw some good things from uh, uh, the slot receiver Quincy. I can't pronounce your last name there for the Jets. So uh, yeah, they're they're getting good. And obviously Forte in the background in the backfield. Excuse me. They have a lot of. A lot of things going right for the Jets. Even though they lost last week, uh, we we know uh, this should be a good divisional matchup there for Thursday night. What do you think about Andy Dalton at Pittsburgh or Ben Roethlisberger in the same game versus the Bengals? Well, here we've got uh, two 300-yard quarterbacks from week one, and i got to say I'm glad the NFL didn't make us wait too long for the rematch of one of the most physical playoff games in recent memory. I think Big Ben is probably a safer bet. I'm going to stick with him, although I think Dalton does have a little bit more upside, especially if Pittsburgh once again runs the ball well and Cincinnati struggles on the ground, as both teams did in week one, although that could have been matchup-related as Cincinnati faced that stout uh, Jets uh, defensive line, whereas Pittsburgh uh, faced kind of a porous run defense in Washington. But I, I think I'm still going to go with Big Ben. Um, yeah, it's after what we saw Monday night, you know, and I know Brashard Breeland is ca- catching a lot of heat, but he is still a decent cornerback. But after what, yeah, what we saw on Monday night, uh, I don't know how you can bench Big Ben. Uh, <laughs> uh, we We know what Dalton is. But, you know, both of these guys do have a legit probably top ten, maybe top five wide receiver, depending on how you feel about A.J. Green in this league. Um, I think I might go the other way. We saw A.J. Green, got, what did he get, like 12 targets, 180 yards. What cornerback is going to match up against him physically? I mean, I I love William Gay, and I said many times before that he is a phenomenal dancer, probably the best dancer in the NFL. Uh, maybe Antonio's got something to say about that, but uh, he's not the best <laughs> coverage corner in the league. So I I look for a whole lot of AJ Green, and uh, you know, uh, on the road, I think Pittsburgh's probably leading this game, and I think that's going to work into Dalton's favor there too. So I I I better go Dalton in this game. I it seems it seems crazy, but I think I I think Dalton gets more points in this game. Uh, what do you think about Alex Smith at Excuse me, Alex Smith at Oakland. Excuse me, no, Alex Smith at Houston. Sorry, I'll get my bearings here. Or 
Brock Osweiler in the same game versus the Chiefs. Well, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but at home I'm going to go with Osweiler. He's got the better receivers core to work with, with Hopkins and Fuller, and also had a pretty solid running back in Lamar Miller, who's finally getting the touches he's deserved all these years. Uh, I, I will say that Alex Smith is a safer play, but the upside here is with Osweiler, and in this case I'm going to be willing to gamble with Brock Osweiler. Yeah, one, one underrated thing about Alex Smith's game is that he does run a little bit, but I don't think that's going to happen versus Houston. Um, obviously, Nick's gaining a little respect for Brock Osweiler, maybe after what he did last week. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with you there. We, just, we know he's got those down-the-field weapons. Uh, obviously, Will Fuller, I think Will Fuller led that team in targets more than, more than DeAndre Hopkins. So they, they know – they could take chances, and it should be a good matchup with Marcus Peters versus uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, who's going to cover Will Fuller? So look, I look for some more, more deep balls from Osweiler because that's one thing that he certainly uh, can do. So I, I'll agree with you there, Nick, and go with uh, Mr. Brock Osweiler. Um, I just now noticed one of the typos in my write-up. Uh, Marcus Mariota is playing at Detroit. I wrote down Andrew Luck as playing Detroit again as well. Who are the Colts playing? <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure it out here. Uh, they're at Denver, excuse me. So I forgot I forgot the N in Denver. And you made it to T instead. But anyway, so Marcus Mariota at Detroit or Andrew Luck at Denver. What do you think? Well, I understand if you feel that any top five quarterback like Andrew Luck is unbenchable. So I, I, I wouldn't argue with you if you played him, but to me – I'm going to go with Marcus Mariota. His matchup is infinitely better than Andrew Luck facing the defending Super Bowl defense on the road. So I'll take uh, our guest last week, Howard Bender's pick for fantasy MVP, and go with Marcus Mariota against a defense that gave up a lot of points last week in Detroit. Yes. Um, what did you think about Mariota last week? I, I, Where I think he had a decent game, those two turnovers were bad, and they ended up in defensive touchdowns, don't you think? Yeah, they were. But, you know, remember also Minnesota does have a pretty stout defense, so it's not like he was doing that against the Browns or anything. Okay, and are you ready to roll Tajay Sharp against Darius Slay? Um. It would all depend on what kind of depth I had at receiver. I think most teams that have Tajay Sharp aren't counting on him as being one of their top three or four guys. But if you need him, yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. I think he'll still have a pretty productive game. I think he's going to be, you know, among the top three rookie receivers this year as far as stats go. Certainly in targets, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, you know, as much as Andrew Luck always wants to deliver in this game when they played Denver, and obviously it was bigger with Man- when Manning was there, I just don't know if you, you can trust him against those quarters. Now, they probably have the the weaponry up, well, maybe one more weapon up on uh, on Denver at this point, but, you know, the rest of that secondary is pretty tough. Darian Stewart, Bradley Robies. Certainly not the best, but he certainly can hold his own. T.J. Ward can come in and fill that box. Um, but I just, as far as I'm concerned, I think the Colts are probably going to be down in this game, and Andrew Luck's going to be throwing a whole lot because 
their defense is crap, but I know the Denver offense isn't great, but they could look really, really good next week against a very bad Colts defense. So I'm going to go Luck because I, I, where I like Mariota, I think he might have a nice, decent stat line. It's not going to be a shootout game like it was when the Colts played Detroit last week. So I, I think Mariota could have a nice, like I said, nice stat line, and I think the Titans can certainly go in there and win. Uh, but I think it's going to be on on the strength of their ground game, not because Marcus and uh, and Matt Stafford are trading scores there. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Andrew Luck. Not just because he's a top five guy, not because I didn't play him in one league because I'm stupid <laughs> last week, uh, but uh, I think you just got to go with Andrew Luck. Um, you know, I think already that stupid Q thing, not you know, not Q versus P, is already coming to haunt me because yeah, I I I have luck in a handful of leagues and one. One league I decided to bench him because he was questionable, and I don't want to like. Well, if he doesn't, you know, if he, I don't want to be screwed in all my leagues. So if he gets hurt, so whatever, whatever. Uh, didn't work out in the end. Um, hey, you know what? Actually, I had two wins. I did get it. I could, I could, no, I think about it. I, could, I did get one and the other win in there this week, fantasy wise. But anyway, uh, James Stewart at San Francisco, excuse me, versus San Francisco, or Jeremy Hill at Pittsburgh. What do you think? Well, that San Francisco defense did shut down L.A. and Todd Gurley, but Case Keenum is not Cam Newton. I think San Francisco's defense falls back to earth after the shutout win, and that's going to open things up for Jonathan Stewart. Uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, it's a division game. You never know. It could be 38-35 to or 13-10. to Given the physicality these two teams bring when facing one another, I would expect it to trend, trend towards the lower end of the spectrum. So i got to go with uh, Jonathan Stewart all the way here. Yeah, you know, as much as a step back Jeremy Hill took from year two from year one, he still has that touchdown upside. He still led the league in rushing touchdowns last year, I believe, or tied for the lead. But, yeah, I think I think Nick's right. Um, uh, like I said earlier, I think uh, since he will be down, so Dalton will be throwing a lot more. Excuse me, the Red Rifle will be throwing a lot more. So uh, that's not going to play. Jeremy Hill still, still might get a touchdown, but he's going to have, like, you know, 12 carries for 40 yards at, at, at best, maybe. And, and Pittsburgh, excuse me, the Carolina could have a decent lead in the second half and just load up Jimmy Stewart with uh, with carries there, James Stewart, excuse me. Um, now, I think I, sh- I should preface this with I wrote most most of these. Yeah, I wrote all of these sitter starts before the week one, actually, just because I had too much time on my hands and I was uber excited. So uh, I think the answer to this question might already be Will Fuller. But other than DeAndre Hopkins and Jeremy Mack on the team's top wide receivers, can you pick a different wide receiver in Kansas City at Houston? Well, like you said, Will Fuller is the obvious name after his five catches for 107 yards and a touchdown debut. That's the first choice for sure. But one more name to watch is Kansas City's Chris Conley. He was a third-round pick last year and had a quiet rookie year, but in week one he had four catches for 43 yards on seven targets. Uh, that tied for seven, second on the team. While last year's Kansas City wide receiver to uh, Albert Wilson only had uh, three catches for one yard on three targets. Now, I'm not saying start Chris Conley yet by any means, but he is definitely a guy to stash if you have room and see if his stock does go up in year two. Yep, super athletic Chris Conley, kind of a, I don't want to say workout warrior because we don't know how his career is going to go, but a guy that's impressed at the combine uh, nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, Will Fuller, the obvious choice. And I promise I won't always write the sort of starts before the week action. 
especially week one, that was, I think. But uh, uh, Vance McDonald at Carolina or Clyde Walford versus Atlanta. Now, both these guys did relatively nothing last week, but McDonald at least got the late touchdown. So what do you think they're doing? Well, most weeks I think I would go with Vance McDonald as long as Blaine Gabbard is a quarterback there in San Francisco, but not this week. Uh, I think not only is Carolina a better overall defense than Atlanta's, but the Falcons are coming off a game where they gave up five catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns to tight ends against Tampa Bay. I think that could be a possible weakness that Oakland would try try to exploit there with Clive Walford. So I'm going to go with Walford this week. Oh, man, I I hope you're right, and that is a very good point. Uh, Another interesting Note to Atlanta is uh, thanks again to our good friends at FantasyData.com. Um, two rookie linebackers led Atlanta in snaps last week, and that would be my guy Devondre Campbell and uh, Dion Jones. So interesting. Paul Warlow, who was supposed to be the man in the middle, only played 13% of the snaps uh, in their uh, loss on Sunday. So. They they're putting a lot of trust in their rookies, and maybe maybe Derek Derek Carr's got a few uh, tricks up his sleeve to uh, trick those guys out. And hey, uh, uh, I I love the vote of confidence there on Clive Walford. I'll see if I can get him worked into some of my lineups. I had to play him last week at the last minute because of stupid Gronk, but uh, uh, hopefully Gronk can play this week, and I don't have to make that decision. But I'm sure I can move. I can find Walford some love. Uh, somewhere else in a different league. So I, I like that call there, Nick. Um, coupled IDP ones. What do you think about Ben Heaney versus Atlanta or Denzel Perryman versus Jacksonville? Now, neither one of these guys really impressed last week, but we'll see. What do you think? Well, I think if Chris Ivory plays, that would give Jacksonville a stronger running attack. I would be tempted to go with Perryman, but I don't think he plays after being hospitalized last week with what was it, a general medical condition. That sounds like a, an injury report right out of the NHL. But uh, anyway, I think Jacksonville, if Ivory doesn't play, could lean on the pass a little more. Well, Atlanta has two solid running backs, plus they use their tight end, Tammy, a fair amount in week one. So I'm going to go with uh, Ben Heaney this week. Very good point there. Um, now, the interesting thing on this is this is Ben Heaney, uh, 4-3 middle linebacker versus Denzel Perryman, who is a 3-4 inside linebacker. Um, Manti Teo did have a very nice game there. So um, maybe maybe he's taken over. And, and I think the thing when you look at those two inside linebackers for San Diego with, with uh, Perryman versus Teo is – uh, they could be very game flow dependent now. Uh, Teo is certainly a guy that's uh, a little bit bigger, with Perryman only being like five eleven. So, you know, maybe maybe if they're if they're down in games and teams are running a lot against them, maybe, maybe that's going to favor uh, Perryman. So maybe what we saw last week uh, was a little bit of an aberration. I have no idea how the San Diego controlled Kansas city for one half. I would love to go back and watch that game because it was certainly a tale of two halves after they blew that, uh, blew that huge lead. So may, maybe if, if, uh, the other team is running a lot, that, I mean, as Jacksonville would have to be leading in this game on the road and I don't have a lot of confidence. They will do that. Maybe Perryman does have a, a have, a, have a better game and that could be the norm there for San Diego as I don't, believe in that team a whole lot um 
I like their fantasy players. I just don't believe in them as a whole. So I think Heaney maybe is 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 the better option, but I also don't think Atlanta's going to be running the ball a lot too. But maybe uh, maybe Heaney steps steps his game up and shows a little bit uh, shows a little bit of growth from week one to week two. So I, I I'll go with Heaney there too. Uh, I'm not not crazy about it. Um, Chris Kirksey versus at excuse me, Chris Kirksey versus Baltimore or Zach or at Cleveland. What do you think? I think I would be hesitant to play Zach Orr this week. Uh, maybe it was just because of RG3, but it seems like the only thing Cleveland has been good at uh, this uh, preseason, regular season, week one, is uh, the deep balls. And that's going to lead to a lot of short drives, whether it's with long completions or with three and outs or interceptions on these low percentage throws. Uh, short drives equals fewer tackle opportunities. So I have to decide with uh, Christian Kirksey going up against Baltimore this week. Hmm. One thing I do want to bring to the table is the fact that um, I know McCown and Barnage had quite the uh, hookup last week, so maybe maybe that could be something. So I think I would go with Orr. I think both of these guys had really good weeks uh, in week one. Uh, Zach, Zach Orr actually out-tackled uh, C.J. Mosley, so that was a uh, – and an interesting line from that Baltimore game. So I, I think I would go with Orr, not just because I, I own him over and I don't own Kirksey, but I think I would go with Orr this game because maybe maybe he matches up and gets a gets a handful of tackles against uh, Barnage. Maybe 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 I'm even calling an interception. Maybe he gets an interception. I'm not saying pick six, but maybe he gets a interception or forces a fumble. So that's certainly something to look at there, IDP wise. Uh, but like clockwork at the hour mark we have mr chuck podeski on the line to give us some odds patch mr chuck through um one second Chuck, are you there? Hey, how's it going, Josh? Hey, Nick. How's it going, everybody? We're doing good. We're ready We're ready to talk about the uh, four-and-a-half-point favorites there in Oakland. Yeah, that'll <laughs> be a fun one to talk about. Uh, I can The hey, Raiders like actually might be good. Uh, yeah, that's – I don't know that line scales. Well, we'll get to that when, you, when you're good and ready. So what – Nick said he went two and fourteen this week, and then that reminded me I forgot to look at my picks. Did you count my picks, or did you? Jeez, that's right. I just did the the calculations last night. I didn't want to mention that. Uh, well, actually, Nick he he uh, Nick is the uh, Nick is the only one that got a game right on Monday night, so he can hang on to that, I guess. <laughs> Nick picked the Forty ers We all picked the Redskins, and Josh, you and I took the Rams. So yeah, Nick, that was accurate. Two and fourteen. Josh, you were six and ten. And uh, I have the distinction of being ten and four going into Monday night, and then losing both of them. They ended up, and it's still ending up ten and six. But uh, it was rather embarrassing to take the Rams there, wasn't it? Oh no, man! I was all about it. I think I said Rams by like a touchdown. I was, I was so about it, about it. But uh, yeah, I don't know if Nick wanted to mention his record on the air, but I just went ahead and did it since he told me. Well, we. You know, we we have to remember what happened last year when the, when the Forty ers beat the Vikings. You know, beat the pants off them in the first week of the season. Yes. And then, you know, how did those two teams turn out? The Vikings end up going to the playoffs, and the Forty ers end up being the Forty ers 
so, you know, it's just further reiteration of you can't judge the season by the first game. So it'll be interesting to look at them this week, Josh. Yeah, they got a big test at Carolina. Um, little Monday night mojo in San Francisco, though. Interesting note about that, and I was thinking about this, and I don't know how you would ever find this stat, but I wonder when the last time a team has won back-to-back week one with two different head coaches. Obviously, they had Jim Tomasula last year, and now they had Chip Kelly. You would think they put teams probably don't uh, – two consecutive years with two different coaches win, you know, in the first week. So that's – I don't, I don't yeah. know if that's a stat, but I just – I could probably find that out, but it would take more time on the Internet than I would prefer to to spend on it. Uh, And then we need to think, did they win week one a few years ago with Jim Harbaugh? So three different head coaches. But anyway, um, Uh maybe maybe I'll figure that out. Um, Well, maybe they should get a a different coach again next year, and they'll win on Monday night again to start the season. uh, There you go. (laughs) Hey, I guess I should say before we get into this that my uh, fantasy team, the Surgeon Turtles, uh, we're, we're big winners, 166 to 121 over the weekend, okay? Nice work, because you played Spencer Ware, am I right? Played Spencer Ware, I played D'Angelo Williams, because of course I have... Uh I have uh, Le'Veon Bell, and I had to, and and was lu- it was lucky. I, I want to say lucky enough, but I had to pick D'Angelo Williams way earlier than I wanted to in the draft. So uh, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. And then I've got Tom Brady, so I had to play Matthew Stafford as my quarterback. So I really got lucky in picking a couple of good substitutes there. Yeah, yeah, nice work, nice work. So what do you got right. for us on Thursday night? Okay, we do have a Thursday night game this week, don't we, as we do all season. This is a tough one, um, especially since it was the first game of the season last week, and now you've got to all of a sudden play, you know, turn around and play on Thursday again. Uh, the Jets in Buffalo, last I saw, Josh, and I'll check this real quick here, but last I saw it was a pick'em game. Over-under was 40 and a half. Wow. Um, doesn't pick doesn't pick them make it make it sound so easy. Just pick the winner. It does, but for some reason, when you said pick them, I just started to care less and less about the outcome of this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like at least when there's a line, you can you know you know make your statement based on that yeah. line. But now you just got to tell me to pick a winner. It's just like that's a that's a very good point. Division game. It's in New York, right? Uh, well, yeah. But... Oh no, actually, it's it's in uh, it's in Buffalo, New York. Oh, okay. Man, you know Rex Ryan gets fired up to play. You gotta give me Rex Ryan. Why not? It's it's just now a he's coaching the he's coaching the Bills, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> okay, you're gonna take Buffalo. And, he, and he's playing his old coach. You know, or his old team. You know, he gets up for that. So okay. why not? Give me Rex Ryan. The Jets. Okay, hang on, hang two, on baby. a second. Hang on a second, Josh. I just looked up the uh, spread again, and, and the Jets Uh-oh. are favored by Jets are by Jets by one. So you'll get one point there. Oh, geez. yeah, I'll get one point. I'll get one point. Yes, that's Buffalo right. Plus one. Love a home team dog. Nick, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I, I got to go the other way, especially uh, Sammy Watkins. I've seen is listed as questionable with with the new injury designations. Who knows what that means? He could be ninety five percent likely to play, and he's still questionable. But uh, that scares me a little bit, and I just think the Jets overall are a more talented team. They're going to be hungry after last week, so i got to go with the Jets. 
I'm going to have to say if the if Buffalo wins this game, it'll be purely by the you know by by the strength of the Buffalo crowd and their great fans there and everything. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he says he's going to play, but he didn't. You know, he stopped short of saying I'm 100% healthy. I think the Jets have a little bit of uh, amends to make after last week when Cincinnati picked them apart. I think Revis will be uh, looking to to reestablish Revis Island. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Jets. I, I just think they have a better team, and given one point is basically picking the winner. So I'll take the Jets. It just seems too obvious. <laughs> All right, moving forward. Okay, Detroit uh, is at home against the Tennessee Titans. Detroit is favored by five and a half points on the strength of, you know, one thing you got to keep in mind in the second week, it's, it's a lot of these spreads are just simply on the strength of what they did in their first game. And I was reading a uh, article in sports memo from a guy named Teddy, Teddy covers. Um, and he says, you've got, you know, in order to approach handicapping for week number two, you've got to look at it and decide who, who the liars were in week one. In other words, who who looked better than they really were in week one, and uh, and then make your decisions based on that. So, uh, with that said, Detroit five and a half over the Tennessee Titans. So, what does that tell us about Miami versus Seattle? That was the huge double-digit game <laughs> last week. Oh yeah, Miami looked. Did Miami look better than they actually are? Uh, mm-hmm. uh All right. So, I guess we'll see what that line is. But, um, well, I'm sorry. What was the spread? Uh, Detroit, Detroit by five and a half. Oh, that's right, five and a half. I think Tennessee plays a different game, obviously, than the Colts. So I, I, I'll take Tennessee on the road. That's a lot of points. I think if Tennessee can get it, go in there and establish the run, because you know where they're going to try to do that. I think they can keep this game closer than that. So Nick, what do you think? I agree with you. I don't think Tennessee wins this game on the road, but I think they lose it by a field goal or something like that. Uh, it's going to be a low-scoring uh, affair if, if the Titans' run game has anything to say about it. So, yeah, I think that's just too many points. You know, I went over these games last night, and I picked Detroit, but I'm going to do something that I don't ever like to do, and, and uh, I'm going to take Tennessee just based on the fact that I think Detroit has a lot, probably doesn't have the defense that Minnesota had last week. Uh, They've got an indoor track, so you're probably going to see Mariota uh, scramble and run just a little bit more. Um, And you're right. I'm going to look for uh, Tennessee to keep it close, and uh, I look for them to cover that spread, getting five and a half. You could just admit that me and Nick swayed you. It's totally fine. Well, you might have a little bit, but then I started, I started thinking. I mean, I hope, I hope Detroit does well because I need a big game out of uh, out of Stafford. But maybe you know, but uh, with Tennessee running the ball as much as they did, uh, they do. They'll probably give uh, Murray and um, oh, the Tennessee running back Derrick Henry a good workout this week. Um, yeah, let's let's look for mostly a running game, lower scoring. And uh, and for Tennessee to keep it close. Okay, moving forward, what do you got? Kansas City is visiting Houston. The Chiefs are, after that big win last week, they're still two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Houston Texans. And that's in Houston, right? That's in Houston, yeah. I, I think Houston has 
enough weapons to to keep that defense on their heels. And obviously, we know they were vulnerable last week to give up two touchdowns to Melvin Gordon. So I, I'll I'll take Houston. I'll lay I'll lay the just two and a half. They just got to win by a field goal. No problem. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I agree with you, especially with only two-and-a-half-point favorites. If they get out to a big lead, they're not going to blow it the way San Diego did last week. Um, uh, I think Kansas City keeps it to within a touchdown, but probably loses by, you know, three, four, five points, something like that. So I'm going to go with Houston. I look at it this way. I don't uh, I don't have a lot of regard for the Bears' defense, and the KC defense is going to be a little bit better than, uh, than uh, the Chicago's was. I still don't trust Brock Osweiler. I don't know why. I just don't. And I think with the inexperience that he has, I think Kansas City will put a lot of pressure on him and will look for at least one defensive touchdown. And I am going – I think Kansas City is just good enough to uh, to win that game outright. But uh, So I'll take the two-and-a-half points. If you bring up a good point, I wonder if Osweiler faced Kansas City was when he was the starter there in Denver last year. I can't remember that now. But uh... – they, they maybe know a little bit about him, so that that could be good. I'll still stick with Houston, though. What do you got next? Well, the surprise team of last week to me, the Miami Dolphins are at New England. And uh, New England, let me check the spread again. Yeah, it's still six and a half. New England favored by six and a half over Miami. That seems like a lot of points. Miami always gets up for that game. Division game. Too many points for a division game. I I absolutely cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I, I think I'll I think I'm going to go with New England. Uh, or excuse me, no, no, with Miami. I'll take Miami in the points. That means New England will probably win like 42 to 13 or something like that. But I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take Miami. Nick, what do you think? Uh, this is another spread that's just too big, especially uh, with Arian Foster there in the fold in Miami. I think as long as he's healthy, they're going to have a decent run game, which, uh, you know, if you have a decent run game, usually you can keep the game somewhat close at least. And especially, obviously, if Tom Brady was playing, I would go New England, and this would probably be closer to a 10-point spread. But, uh, you know, six and a half with Garoppolo, I, I think Miami can keep it to within that. So I'll go with Miami. Hmm. So who was who? Who was the liars last week? Uh, was it uh, Seattle or was it Miami? You know, I mean, does, is Seattle better than they looked, or is Miami uh, really, really that good? I don't. I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to take the. Uh, nobody ever went broke taking New England at home minus uh, less than a touchdown. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go ahead and take. Uh, the Patriots and just trust that Belichick can can get it done. Although I, you know, I I do this under protest. I don't I don't feel real good about it. But I, if the if I want to be on any side, I'm going to be on the side of the Patriots in their opening home game. Very solid point. And just in case you were wondering, I found it. Uh, Brock Osweiler played Kansas City at home last year, 14 for 24, 146 yards, a touchdown and an interception, and Denver lost 13 to 29. Hmm. So sort of, um, a, sort of a mixed bag there. Yeah. yeah. Not bad, but not good. Yeah. Um, one thing of note, and I, you know Bill Belichick knows this in that game, and it's, this isn't helping my cause for 
going crazy and taking Miami, but Miami did lose Earl Mitchell, one of their defensive tackles for the year, so they're going to be playing uh, Jordan Phillips, who has not seen too many NFL snaps throughout his career. So um, uh, that that could that could possibly hurt their run game. And Nick, another interesting note, maybe you did know this. Did you know that Brock Osweiler was born in Cordelion, Idaho, or wherever? I had no idea. Yeah, I had Cordelaine. No yes. Yeah, yeah. Cordelaine, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's the first I'd heard of that. I'm surprised that it wasn't by a bigger news than when he got drafted, especially when I still lived there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, the next game? Yes, next game. Sorry. Uh, the Ravens are at Cleveland. Ravens are six-and-a-half-point favorites at uh, on the road at Cleveland. Um, Josh McCallum threw for a lot of yards against Baltimore last year in that one game. I don't know how improved that Baltimore defense is. Is it already a well? It is a wounded dog theory. I mean, surprise, surprise. Robert Griffin only made it through three quarters. Um, I think I think McCallum is a a better player in that offense. I think it opens a lot more of the passing game up than the deep ball. So I don't think Cleveland's going to win more than three games at all this year. And I don't think they'd have to win this, but they just got to stay within six. Why not? I'll take, I'll take Cleveland home team dog with those points. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I have to go with Baltimore. I look at week one and Baltimore, uh, beat uh, Buffalo 13-7. to I think Buffalo is a lot more formidable of a, an opponent than Cleveland, so I think uh, I think Baltimore can win this one by double digits. Well, I'm going to side with you on this one, Josh. Uh, I think Cleveland actually is a better team with Josh McCown. I never was a believer in, in RG3. I think he... Uh, he, he's he's too quick to run the ball and panic back there. Uh, I think Josh McCown. I mean, you know, you know, look at him when he played for the Bears when he when he filled in for Cutler that year. He was a, he's a fine, serviceable quarterback, and he will he will be able to run the offense. And you know, any game in the AFC East like that, or excuse me, uh, North, they're they're just bloodbaths. And when when any of those two teams get together, you can almost count on it being just a just a really hard fought close game. And you'll remember, and I think a lot of people have forgotten about this, but Cleveland hasn't. The Baltimore Ravens were the are the Cleveland Browns before they moved, and they and they still have that chip on their shoulder. So I'm going to take Cleveland to 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 keep it close. I want to ask a question that's probably been asked many times, but I, I don't know if I've ever heard it. If they're the Browns, how come they wear so much orange? They don't even wear those brown jerseys anymore, do they? I know, but they do have. Uh, yeah, they have brown in their colors. But yeah, I think they've just kind of migrated to the to the orange. I don't know. I kind of like those old brown uniforms. I like the old ones. Yeah, the new ones. Yeah, they look kind of Canadian football league. No, no disrespect to our neighbors to the north. Well, one thing they need to do is get some kind of decal on their helmet. <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to say what I want to say there. So go ahead, move forward. Next game. <laughs> All right, and another one. You know, the the uh, AFC North teams are meeting each other this week. Cincinnati is at Pittsburgh, and the Steelers are favored by three and a half. Oh, I hate that hook. This is this is this is less than a field goal game. So I'm going to take Cincy on the road. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I'm with you all the way, and I can't wait to see this game. As, as, as amazing as last year's playoff game was, and you know, it's a shame that both teams aren't going to be in full strength with the various suspensions each uh, team is dealing with. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely a game that's within a field goal. So I'll go with Cincinnati. Well, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid here and take Pittsburgh minus three and a half. Uh, one of the reasons is that they're at three and a half for a reason. They, the, the odds makers want you to take Cincinnati thinking, well, they can keep it within a field goal. But uh, there aren't a lot of field goal games these days just simply because of that two-point conversion and, and moving the <laughs> moving the one-point conversion back so far. So we don't see as many three-point games as we used to. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers just because I was so impressed with them on Monday night, and and like I say, I'm drink. I'm probably drinking the Kool Aid here, but I'll take the Steelers. Um, I, I hear your point about the field goals, Chuck. But wasn't there was there three one point games and at least one two point game last week? Yeah, everybody's trying to. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many more teams going for the two point conversions. I guess mm-hmm. <clears throat> my point was, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that a lot of people think that oh three point game that's a field goal but uh, you know uh, there there aren't what I'm saying is there aren't a lot of three point games like one point or mm-hmm. five points or something like that um, mm-hmm. I'm still going to take the Steelers <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm going to count yeah, on the not, fact that 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 wind that swirls through the the big pickle up there Heinz Field is going to uh, to mess with uh, with Nugent okay and yeah I'm not to keep arguing with you but the others three one point games and two two point games and yeah some of those yeah. were because missed extra points as well so right yeah all right okay moving. uh the cowboys are playing at washington uh cowboy i don't know what they did to start out with two divisional games in their first two games but the cowboys are playing at washington and the redskins are two and a half point favorites The Redskins are favored after that Monday night, huh? Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm absolutely shocked that the Redskins are favored, even though they're at home. Um, I have to go with Dallas all the way. Um, just look out, uh, Terrence Williams and uh, Cole Beasley owners, because you know Josh Norman's going to be lined up on those guys and not Des Bryant, right? <laughs> uh, rookie quarterback in Washington. Like, you're not going to... Kerrigan's not going to get under his skin. Preston Smith's not going to put him down on his back. I'm, I'm going to go with your boys. I, I, I know I'm crazy, but again, like that first game, it just seems way too easy to pick Dallas in that game, especially since they're getting points. So I'm going to, I'll take I'll take Washington and lay those two and a half. Well, I was going to say uh, to Nick, as soon as you are totally surprised that a line is what it is, then you should go the other way. That's one of the reasons I'm (laughs) taking Washington. They're favored by two and a half, which makes you think that they're trying to beg you to take Washington. But I don't think that they they were such a strong home team last year that I don't think they're going to lose two home games in a row. In fact, they just they, they can't. And they need to play the whole game like they played the first half last week uh i think the and it's a divisional game too one of them they set their sights on so you know i'm going to look for washington to win it and then you know you pick a winner in these games and then just hope they cover the point spread so i'm going to take the i'll take the skins and, and just hope they end up winning by three or more 
Okay. Yeah. The next game. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Dallas defense is terrible. That's just why I just want to say that, just to make sure make sure everybody knows I'm still thinking in that realm. But Dallas, Dallas defense is terrible. Go ahead. Okay. We have New Orleans at the New York Giants, and the Giants are favored by five in this game. Uh, I think I said that – I think I questioned the Giants' defense last week, and I said that I thought they were going to get – Better, I think. I guess I was a rookie quarterback, but they played better than I expected last week. Um, it's it's how many points, and it's in New Orleans. Five points. It's in New York. Oh, in New York. Oh, yeah, all the way. I'll take the take the Giants and lay those points. No problem. But, uh, New Orleans just lost their top corner to a broken leg. Yeah. So that means they're going to have their corner number two on Odell Beckham and. Who exactly is going to cover Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz? Yeah, I'll I'll take the Giants all the way. Nick, what do you think? I think if this game were in November or December, I would be uh, I would lean towards the Giants uh, with the inclement weather that can happen there sometimes in New York uh, towards the end of the year. But this early in the year, weather shouldn't be a factor, and I just don't think the Giants can uh, shut down that New Orleans offense after you know giving letting a rookie quarterback have a pretty decent day against them. I just I, I think Drew Brees is going to have a field day against that defense, so I got to go with New Orleans. You know, uh, you're, the the audience uh, obviously all plays fantasy football, and you can learn some things and uh, through playing fantasy football that help you in handicapping games. And one of the things I learned a couple years ago when I had Drew Brees as my quarterback is that Brees is gold at home, and then on the road, not so good. Now, you know, it it really helps. If he's on uh, artificial turf, which he will be in New York, but you know Breeze on natural turf is just horrible. But when he goes away from home, he's not so good. I uh, am going to take the Giants here, minus the five points, and uh, the you know the over under in this game is 53. That's one of the highest on the board this week. And that's that's pretty big for an NFL game too, right? Yeah, yeah. As I look down at all the uh, the over unders, I, I think it is the highest on the board this week. Let me, I can run down, look down these pretty quick. Yeah, it's easily the highest point. Uh, Tampa Bay and Arizona are fifty, and that's about the next closest one. Okay. Next, we go to uh, Carolina. The 49ers are on the road after that big win on Monday night. Apparently, didn't impress that many people because the uh, Carolina Panthers are 13 and a half point favorites. Okay, uh, 13 and a half point favorites. Wow. Um, jeez, I, I don't know what. To say to that, it just seems like that just seems like too many points. I'll, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take San Francisco, and I have no idea why. Besides the fact that it just seems like too many points. Yeah, I I agree. With you. Thirteen and a half. Uh, I mean, maybe if it was Seattle at home against uh, Cleveland or something like that. But you know, Carolina. They're they're don't get me wrong. Carolina's a great team. And they're going to win this game, but they're not going to win it by two touchdowns, I don't think. I think I think the 49ers are improved enough to where they will keep this within 10 points or so. Yeah, and at the risk of being fooled by the 49ers again, I'm going to also take them this week. Mostly on the strength of I think their defense is pretty doggone good. Um, 
so, you know, I, I don't look for Carolina to score a lot of points. If San Francisco can score maybe one or two touchdowns, they could probably keep it within that 13-and-a-half. So uh, we'll, we'll look for Chip Kelly to find a way to score a couple times. Of course, in the back of my mind is maybe the Rams are really, really, really bad. <laughs> San Francisco wasn't that good. But uh, I'll take 13-and-a-half with the Chip Kelly team. Okay. Next game. Tampa Bay is at Arizona, and Arizona is it was six and a half last night. It's now seven points. The Cardinals seven point favorites at home against Tampa Bay. Uh, again, too many points. Um, one of the things that shocked me most about Week One, I don't know how Arizona loses that game. I know it was New England, and they are what they are. They're awesome, but you cannot play a team missing like five top guys, you know, two probably top ten players in the league. You can't let a team like that come into your house and beat you. If you think that you are a potential playoff, maybe even Super Bowl team. I think they have a lot of questions to ask, and I think Jameis Winston could pick apart the holes in that defense after watching Jimmy Garoppolo do it last week. So I'll, I'll I'll take the points there win uh, Tampa Bay plus seven. Why not? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, I know Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, had the number one offense in the NFL last year, but Carson, Carson Palmer just doesn't look like the same quarterback now that he did last year. So it, maybe he'll get there, you know, after a few games, but I, since he's not there yet, I got to go with Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston, who did look fantastic last week. You probably noticed that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a lot of success when he sidestepped the rush, and if there's anybody that can do that, uh, it's Jameis Winston. I was impressed with Tampa Bay last week, and even though I was prepared to be impressed, I I liked Tampa Bay at the beginning of the season, and Winston has really impressed me, and I'm going to take the Bucks plus seven uh, against the Cardinals in Arizona. Another one in sweep for us. There you go. And I wanted to further your point about Drew Brees at home versus the road. Most of the numbers are actually quite similar there, Chuck, for Brees' numbers uh, at home on the road. But in one less, excuse me, he has one more home game in his career than he does on the road. And he has 76 more touchdown passes at home mm-hmm. in, in one more game. Yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking mostly in fantasy. I mean, you know, I'm 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 thinking in fantasy terms on that. I never liked. I was always nervous about playing Breeze on the road, and then at home, I wouldn't even hesitate. Mm. Yep. Good point. What's the next game? Next game is uh, there was not a lineup on this game last night. Now I looked in one place out of the uh, the ten the ten spreads that I look at. One place has a has a spread, and that's uh, Seattle by six over the Los Angeles Rams. Got to get used to saying that. The Los Angeles Rams are at home getting six points in their very first home game in L.A. since 1994. Well, I'm sure the, the hang-up on this is Russell Wilson's status with the, uh, with the ankle, and we'll see how the severity of that, that is at this time. But um, I, I don't know. I mean – Unless this was, you know, twenty points, I don't think I can. I don't think I can uh, pick pick the Rams at all right now. So I, I, even though Jeff Fisher gets up for those divisional opponents, uh, yeah. Unless you know, I want to. I want to say 
I want to say uh, I, I can get out of this pick if, if if Russell Wilson doesn't play. But I I think uh, I think even without Russell Wilson, they'll probably probably win. So with Russell Wilson playing, yeah, I think I think they win this game, no problem. Nick, what do you think? Now, was that Seattle favored by six, or was that six points over under that LA is going to score in this game? I come on, there's no <laughs> way I can pick LA. I got to go with Seattle, even on the road, even with an injured Russell Wilson. You know, I, 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 there's no way I can pick against Seattle. You know, one thing we have to deal with with the Rams moving to Los Angeles is, uh, you know, are they going to have the same home field advantage that they had when they were at St. Louis? It's a totally new place, and really, uh, you know, the home field advantage kind of just goes by the wayside here. Um, Boy, with the way they looked on Monday night, I've got every reason to take Seattle, except that Seattle, you know, still didn't look that good uh, on Sunday themselves. Um Let's take the Rams. I'm going to just go with the uh, go with the Jeff Fisher theory of playing those really good teams in the West well at home. So let's take the Rams to uh, maybe lose by a field goal, and I'll just keep my fingers crossed on that one. The next and, game and is the Colts. Go ahead. I was going to say that's why you're our expert. Well, you, maybe you take not. Those, you take those chances. Maybe not. Okay, the next game is Denver at home against the Colts, and the Broncos are given six. Yeah, all all things point to Russell Wilson playing on Sunday. By the way, not even okay. currently listed on an injury report, but he's still that's still lingering out there. Um, sorry, what was the line again? Broncos favored by six. Yeah, I just I have no idea how the Colts are going to going to stop those wide receivers for for Denver. I know it's an inexperienced quarterback in Trevor Simeon, but uh, I was really impressed by his play. He, the game didn't look bigger than him. I just, just poised in that terms of what he put up you know, fantasy-wise and stat-wise. I was just very impressed by him running that offense, and I think he's playing a far worse defense than he faced last week. So I, I'll, take, I'll take the Broncos and lay those points to problem. Nick, what do you think? I agree with you, and it's uh, to me it's less about Trevor Simeon with Denver and more about the fact that Denver has a more balanced offense than does Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis pretty much is going to have to throw the ball 75, 80% of the time with uh, having a 30, 40, however-year-old however running back Frank Gore is there in the backfield. So I just think uh, Denver being a more balanced team is going to be able to win this by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm impressed by the Broncos' defense. I wasn't impressed with the Colts' defense, obviously. I think uh, Trevor Simeon will find things a lot easier going against the Colts than he did against the uh, uh, Panthers in their first game. So, uh, you know, a good defense against a bad defense and an okay offense uh, against the Colts. Um, Colts may have a good offense, but I don't know how good the Detroit defense was. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos minus the points here also. We'll clean clean sweep this one. Next we have the Atlanta play. Here you go, Josh. Atlanta is at Oakland, and the Raiders are favored by four and a half, and for good reason. I mean, you know, the Raiders looked great in the first week. Atlanta looked like they didn't learn anything in the offseason. Yeah. I don't know. It seems too easy, and I couldn't tell you the last time it, like, Oakland was favored by that much. So I, I, 
and I'm not one of those weird superstitious people where if I pick against my team, I think I'm cursing them. I mean, maybe I am, but to a point. But uh, I, I'll, I'll take Atlanta. It just seems like too many points. I, I was not very impressed with the Oakland defense on Sunday, so they're obviously vulnerable, and uh, they call it. we know Matt Ryan can get after teams when they're vulnerable. So I'll I'll think I think Oakland still wins this game, but I, I think it's just too many points. So I'll take Atlanta in the points. Don't feel Josh. very good about it either. Okay. So uh, I got to go with Oakland. Oakland at home. I, I'm taking them, especially with the fact that Atlanta's receivers are a little bit hobbled. Uh, uh, reportedly, both Julio Jones and uh, Mohamed Sanu are dealing with ankle injuries. I, my guess would be they both still play, but you know, even at 90%, they're not going to be as effective as they would otherwise be. So I, I think the Raiders, especially at home, are going to be able to win this game by, four, by five points or more. I am going to uh, – yeah, the, the one thing you got to look out for here is that Oakland – you know, the point you made, Josh, Oakland hasn't been a, a favorite for a long time. And how do they play as favorites? I mean, it's, it's a role that they aren't used to. Um, so let's see how they do in that. But I'm counting on the fact that they're going to hold it together. I uh, was really impressed by them last week, not just in the fact that they went for two and won the game, but just just in their overall approach to the game. They, they, they've got some kind of mojo that just makes me feel good about taking them. And I think Atlanta was discouraged last week, and uh, now they're going all the way across country. To, to play a game, and I just I like the mojo of the Raiders, and let's take them minus the four and a half. Okay, yeah. Um, one thing that did impress me about uh, my Raiders there on Sunday is when that game got when they were down by fourteen, I'm just like I just don't know if our offense is ready to be that team that can lead this big comeback, that can trade scores with a guy like Drew Brees, and they they certainly answered that bell. So I was. Very impressed by their 22 points in the fourth quarter. So that was a, hopefully a nice step in the right direction. Granted, you don't want to be down by 14 points in the second half every week, uh, but just to know that they were able to come back from that and trade points with with a guy like Drew Brees certainly impressed me there. So hopefully, hopefully they can keep it going. I'll still stick with the Atlanta pick, though. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars are in San Diego, and the Chargers are favored by three in this game. I really need a sound drop for the who cares game of the week, don't I? I mean, come on. Jacksonville, we, we, we expected you to do something last week, and you proved that you can't play with the big boys. Now you think you're going to go to San Diego and win? I I don't like San Diego. I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Uh, but they, they proved that they can do a little bit of something last week at Kansas City. So I'll, I'll take San Diego in this game. Why not? Nick, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to go the other way. Uh, you said they proved they can't play with the big boys. They they held Green Bay. Uh, they were within four points, I believe, in Green Bay. I think that's that's playing with the big boys. And uh, without Keenan Allen, I don't think Chargers are the big boys. So uh, I have to go with Jackson. <laughs> San Diego, um, you got you got to remember where they played their first game. They played it in Arrowhead. That's a really, really tough place. And, and they almost won it. Um, looked really good and then just kind of lost that lead but I think losing Keenan Allen took a lot of the a lot of the wind out of their sails um I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers and uh just count on the fact that Jacksonville um doesn't have the defense to stop a passing attack like San Diego's especially in San Diego so we'll take the Chargers and we'll move along to Sunday night and Monday night 
Okay. Hey, Josh, before I do that, I want to tell everybody that uh, I'm, do- I- I'm actually doing this, uh, this broadcast from the offices of Segway Las Vegas here. <laughs> My boss just gave me permission if you, uh, if you call us. So I'll look it up on the Internet. But, but if you call us at 702-596-1111, uh, just mention the Fantasy Football Show. Mention the uh, uh, Dynasty Pulse, right? Yep. Anyway, mention fantasy football, and, and you will get $30. If you're coming to Las Vegas, $30 off a Segway tour here in Las Vegas. The the number is 702-596-1111. And uh, you can just, if you don't have a pencil and write down that number, just uh, just Google Segway Las Vegas. All right. You ready? All right. Sounds good. Yeah. The Packers are at Minnesota on, on uh, Sunday night, and the Packers will go into the brand-new stadium there in Minnesota as two-point favorites. You know what? Check oh. that. It's, it's now two and a half. Oh, big movement. Uh, did they just announce Sean Hill was starting or something? Um, uh, <laughs> I think it's Even if he doesn't start, I think you'll see Sam Bradford, obviously, in this game. Um, you know, I don't know. This, this is a tough one. I'm going to let Nick go first. Go ahead. Nick, what do you got? I went first most of the time. Well, I, I am part of me is starting to believe that Green Bay's offense might be a little bit overrated just due to their past success. It just doesn't seem like that's been the case over the last uh, year or so. Uh, but I'm still going to go with uh, Green Bay to at least win this by a field goal. Uh, just Sean Hill, whether it's Sean Hill or Sam Bradford playing in his first game after just getting a new playbook two weeks ago or however long ago it was, uh, I have to take the Packers to win this one. Just more experience in general. I can't believe the Vikings are dogs in their new stadium for the first time. So um, it looks like Sean Hill is still listed on the initial top of the depth chart according to CBS Sports. So uh, that's not a for sure thing that Hill will get to start. Uh, and Bradford thinks he's getting better every day according to 24-7 Sports. But uh, – said that about 40 minutes ago so we'll see i'm sure you'll see both of these guys in this game so um i think the vikings make enough plays to win this though i think uh you know you'd like to say well this defense knows adrian peterson but adrian peterson also knows this defense and he's he's not going to go out and get 30 yards at home in his first first game in this new stadium so i i think the vikings make enough plays to to win this game so sure i'll take them and get if you're going to give me home points I'm going to take the Packers, uh, and I'm looking at it from the other side. I think the, you know, a lot of people are looking at the offense. Um, I think the Packers' defense is better than a lot of people think it is, too. Um, I'm going to take the Packers just because I, I, I like Minnesota, but I want to give them a couple games to get used to their new quarterback. Um, so I'm going to uh, go ahead and take the Packers minus the two and a half. By the way, a great name, a great fantasy team name, Josh. Troubled yeah. over troubled over Bridgewaters. <laughs> uh, I think I've heard a few variations on that. Yeah. Oh, you have? Certainly the uh, certainly the case. Maybe maybe you've told me that before. I don't know. Uh, you know, as opposed to bridge over troubled waters, you got troubled yes. over Bridgewaters. You get what I'm where I'm going there? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Definitely. All right. Um, Monday night. <laughs> Do you have something else to say? Uh, no, no, I just 
was gonna okay. see how appropriate that was <laughs> with, with Bridgewater Hurt, but I didn't wanna I didn't wanna nail that coffin shut. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hang on. I'm gonna check the uh, the spread one more time on the Monday night game. Uh, the Bears are actually favorites. They're favored by three over the Philadelphia Eagles in Chicago. I I am a huge huge fan of a fellow named Fran Duffy, who is one of the uh, video gurus for the Philadelphia Eagles. So maybe I'm not coming at this uh, with a with a, a perspective of a of a guy who should not, not have a, any favorites. But I I watch I watch vines that uh, Fran puts on Twitter every every week during the season. It's at F Duffy three, by the way. This Philadelphia defense is so good, and I know it was Cleveland, so. It's you know, spare me that, but uh, they're good. They, and they have guys that they can move in and out along that front seven. They're good. They just have, they have depth and they're going to play them all. That's, it's just going to be too much, too much for the bears to handle. Bears are going to lose. Sorry, Chuck. I know they're your Chicago bears. You forgot to say that. They're going to lose at home mm-hmm. on Monday night. Uh, give me Philadelphia, please. Nick. Nick. Yeah, I unfortunately I think I'm gonna have to go with the Eagles as well. They just uh, they they look pretty impressive. Whereas the Bears just came out flat last week, uh, losing 14 to 23. I, I just I, I I I'll be rooting for your Bears, Chuck, but I just don't see them winning this game, especially after they <laughs> couldn't really put up a better fight against Houston. Yeah, um, and they really had a bad record at home last year too. But I've I've got the Bears marked here. Um, I I was kind of impressed. I found I found rays of sunshine in the Bears' play last week. I thought you know even though they gave up 24 points, I thought their their off their defense looked looked better than I expected it to. And I'm looking at a rookie quarterback in his first Monday night start, and that's going to help a lot too. So uh, I'm, let, let's take the Bears. The Bears minus three, and uh, I'll live with it. Yeah, I just don't see that there's a feared Bears like pass rusher that Carson Wentz is going to be worried about. So that's yeah. I mean, I like Trevathan and Freeman in the middle, but those guys are just tackle volume guys. They're not guys that are going to continually put pressure on. Well, I've got like I say, I've got no real concrete reason for picking them. I just, you know, from what I expected to see against the Texans and what I saw was a little bit better. And I don't think Philadelphia Philadelphia played Cleveland, so you know anything you see in that game is a little bit skewed, <laughs> um, you know. But but still, I mean, I I think you guys have as much justification for picking the Eagles as I have for picking the Bears. So you know, I mean, I I I just wish they'd get better games on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know we can we can bang on whatever Philly did was against Cleveland, but. There was never a question who who was not the better team in that game. I mean, they still went out and took care of business, and I think that should stand for something. Yeah, well, and I and I had the Philly defense in my in my fantasy, and they did they did fine for me, so I can't complain about that. But uh, uh, it, it, I'm going to be in front of the TV. Ah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it can't be worse than the Rams 49ers game. That's for sure. Uh, Anyway, we got through them all. We did it. How about that? (laughs) Uh, Hopefully we all have better records next week. 
Maybe maybe Chuck can come down to eight and eight, so me and Nick can get a little bit closer to him. But we'll oh, see. I would love another ten in six week. I would take that every day. That's that's really nice considering week one too. That's, yeah, I know. That's, well, now now that I have a little weeks. now that I have a little knowledge, I'm going to fall flat. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, thank you for joining us, Chuck. Again, it's Chuck Podeski. Segway Las Vegas. Check them out if you need to. Google that phone number, and they will get you some money off. Uh, as always, thanks for being our odd man. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. See you next week. Always good stuff from Chuck. Um, sorry to bring up your record on air, Nick. I didn't, I didn't know if we were hiding that or not. Didn't sound like no, I did. No, no, I deserve it. I'm basically <laughs> the L.A. Rams of uh, picking games, so, you know, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to go but up, right? Oh, I don't know if the Rams could win two. I mean, Todd Gurley is certainly good for three <laughs> wins, right? Uh, Cleveland and the Rams, both one and 15. There's there's a bold prediction for you. Um, and I don't know who they're going to be. Do they oh, play each other? Oh, I hope um, not. Because I, I wouldn't wish any wish upon my worst enemy to go one and 15 and not have the number one pick in the draft. That would just be awful, uh, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The bad news is I don't think Cleveland and the Rams play each other, so I don't know. I don't know who they're going to beat, but uh, maybe they'll each win a division game. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that would teach the Rams a lesson for trading all that money for a guy that's going to hold the clipboard. But anyway, uh, we're really off script here now. So that is all we had for you today. Thank you for uh, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we always love making those ATS picks with Chuck there too. So um, I don't have a dilemma written down for next week. Um, but uh, yeah, or uh, or for against. So we'll, who knows what we'll have for you next week. But uh, we will be prepared. I can promise you that. So thank you, Nick, as always. Have a good week, and I I hope you have a good fantasy week as well. Same to you, Josh. See you next week. Yes, I will. I will take a few more fantasy wins, please. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Nikki, Gail, Taylor, Swagger, and Josh Johnson. Sign up,